Okay, and we're live. We're, so. we're live. Episode two of the Microbial Secret Society. Yeah, so uh, it's been a week since last episode, and uh, a lot has changed, huh? A lot has changed, yeah. A, lo- a lot has changed. Yeah, so last week I saw you, and you are talking about making a micro pile. How'd that go? Ooh, yeah. How'd that go, making a micro pile? Um... It was interesting because last, yeah, last week when I said, you know, I wanted to to make one and in, include Harry and all, all these people, it, it ended up just being myself making the pile and, and, and getting to share it with other people like during the process, but the, the ceremony itself of bringing the microbes back to life and reawakening them and uh, holding that kind of space. Yeah, it was just, it was just, I guess, an opportunity to practice it solo. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, but it it turned out really well. Um, the hottest the temperature got was 120. That was like the, yeah, the peak of it. That was probably on like day four when it, when it kind of got that, that hot but again um the pile didn't bloom on the top it it did the thing again where it integrated into the soil and then there are these huge pad chunks of the substrate with the with the earth below and then the mycelium is blooming and, it, and it's it's blooming every day it's not just like oh you know it blooms and it goes away i, I don't know if that's that's normal or or whatnot, but so, so I hear a lot of people on the internet talk about this bloom, or they didn't get the bloom. But I, I don't know. It, every pile is different, and mm-hmm. you're talking about it like like kind of flowering on the top, or like you get a microbial flush. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I've taken pictures of piles before that have been created, and it looks like a snow-capped mountain or something, where the whole pile is just like all white and it, and I know it's it's only during like a certain period of time where that where that happens like it's only like a, a small window and it and it can happen and you you could miss it but so so maybe my thoughts are it happened either really early in the morning when if it did do the full flush or it happened really late at night cuz I started the pile in the, in the evening but by starting the pile in the evening Within 24 hours, it was, or less than 24 hours, the next morning, it, it was it was only like 95, 100 the, that next day. Where, where typically when I make the piles in the morning or the afternoon that next day, and then every morning it's like, you got to get up super early because the thing's going to be really hot. But, it, but with this pile, I observed that by starting it later at night, it kind of, I don't know, it, it made it a little bit easier to kind of maintain it. Um, I'm also a big believer in kind of mixing it by hand. I feel like you go like way slower. I know that's not really feasible for s- farmers that might be listening that are doing it at a very large scale, but I think there's something to like slowing down and doing it by hand and really thoroughly mixing it and, and really integrating um, the earth into it. And the, the cool thing that happened was, you know, when I started, I kind of cleared, cleared the air, like, there was it was just earth it was in direct connection with the earth 
but um after about the fourth or fifth day it was like all the rocks just like came up out of the earth and now the pile is like full of rocks and it was like you know there were rocks below but it wasn't like it wasn't like yeah it's like the rocks came up from the earth and then the rocks were so warm it was it, it was like almost like you could put a rock on your your body and it's like a heating pad or something and it was really yeah really nice to observe that so the the piles like stabilizing right now the last time i checked it it was it was like back down to like you know a little above 90 degrees so it was kind of you know on its way out and then kind of made it a little lower to the ground and then yeah, I, I need to go check it, but I'm. I have a feeling that it's like kind of, it's kind of pow. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, so in one week since last we talked, you created an entire secret society in your house, <laughs> and you populated it to like billions of members, and they all got uh, initiated and instructed in leadership training to work on your soil. Yeah, that's a. Uh, beautiful perspective of it but yeah that's exactly what happened and it i this for this pile i I utilized the most amount of collections that i've ever done it was like seven or eight i think five of them were from mauna kea two of them were from the land and one of them was like in between the mountain and where i'm at at about 400 so it was like a lot of diversity in it and i yeah it was yeah I, i love making the pile and um yeah, it was fun because, the, you know, a few days after, like, Azrael and Mandy came over and, and um, he, 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 like, asked to take baths in it. So he took, like, a, like, woke up and, you know, instead of doing, like, sitting and doing a meditation or something together, you know, he just asked to be buried in the pile and he, he sits in it for, you know, five, ten minutes, gets out and then asks to get buried again. And then it's, but it's, it's really fun seeing his connection to it and how much joy it brings. And it it makes me kind of think about like, you know, there's so many retreat centers and holistic places on the big Island. And if there was a way to integrate this type of sauna therapy with the indigenous microorganisms on a bigger scale where, where people could go and, and kind of meditate and lay in these piles and they were always kind of, kind of going, I feel like that would be like epic yeah yeah so, so you're saying you're even even small kids are attracted to this and naturally want to be bathed in the microorganisms yeah and Azrael's almost three two and a half he'll be three in october so gives listeners a perspective of the age of the child yeah 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 and then um and I also had a similar idea in terms of the microbe healing regenerative secret society spa. <laughs> and um, we might get into that in the second hour. Second hour, of, yeah. Those of you that are in the, in the membership and want to join in and join us at that secret society <laughs> spa. Um, of course, we're open to everybody, but uh, members obviously uh, get a deeper insight onto what we're really doing here. Um, so yeah, um, so can I can I talk a little bit about uh, my week and all that? Yeah, yeah. What well, well, what's been going on in your world this week since last time we checked in? I guess it's been eight days. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, also, I've, I've been working a lot on the land here. 
taking care of the pigs. Um, a lot of trimming grass right now because it's summertime. Those things are growing a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's thinking of that perspective of uh, the microorganisms, the soil, really trying to orient my work to be the most efficient for the microorganisms. You know, I look around, I see all these macro problems, these big world things, but trying to look at the deeper micro, the systems that I can't see that are fully functioning and operational and tuning into those and, and how I can get on that level to get more efficient at what, I, what I'm doing on the farm. And then another kind of big thing for me this week was watching a bunch of my friends come to the Big Island and seeing them all stand up for the Mona. Mm. And uh, recognizing that is like this um, this macro picture of kind of this uh, revival of indigenous culture and understanding the deeper wisdom and the perhaps different timelines that coeverge and, and um, happen here in the world and seeing that as like a manifestation of uh, what's what's going on just just like the indigenous people kind of being um, second you know second class citizens and put down and uh, just rubber stamping corporate things it's similar to what we do in our agricultural world or our microbial world where we just take these rubber stamps poisons because they've been studied and they got the official label and then the real indigenous culture is kind of sidelined and um and even destroyed in the name of this other kind of chemical process that we're traveling through as mankind so just looking at for me this week looking at macroscopic things i'm doing through a microscopic lens and kind of making those associations this week mm. it's kind of a heavy thing and so kind of looking at the the reflection of the larger world outside ourselves and then kind of focusing on your priorities of what you want to accomplish as an individual on your soul's journey and how how you can relate the microscopic or the occult world that's below our feet and how to kind of nourish those systems. And then, because uh, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the perceived quote problems, right? Or the things that we need to fix. But uh, yeah, I, I like that perspective of tuning into the world that maybe we can't see with the naked eye and knowing what we, what we can do as capable humans and as natural farmers to, to, revitalize those micro ecosystems and then the reflection of Mauna Kea is that you know all these people from other islands and around the world and other countries are showing up and and being present for what's taking place on on the island in terms of like finding a balance between indigenous rights native Hawaiian rights and then but living in a corporate world where some powers that be may have power or perceive power or control over certain territories or aspects or lands. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see, I see revitalization and a return to indigenous wisdom, but at the same time, we're stuck in this other world that's kind of fake in terms of it's so disconnected from natural systems. 
and what I mean by that is like, you know, the fact that uh, most of our food comes to Hawaii on a boat, and that we're 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 stuck because we know it. The right thing to do is to grow f- nutritious food mm-hmm. here on the land, but but then to transition back to what it what it takes, like our indigenous culture is in such shambles because we've been relying on those boats and these different things. Yeah, re- relying on on the assistance and support from commercial farming and, and supplying our, our grocery stores and whatnot. And yeah, I, I think something that I'm working through and perceiving and seeing a lot of people in kind of the Puna community um, is this relying on food stamps. And they're great. You know, I think they can be a stepping stone and they can provide nourishment and um, temporary satis like satisfying cravings or or feelings or emotions or whatever but in reality it's not very secure because it's like this monopoly money that's not really real that everyone expects every month and and it's kind of dependent on a f- on a food system that it, that's only available for 3 days so it's like 3 days the the food's gone five days people are like five to seven days people are kind of scrambling and then it's like who you know perceived chaos or whatever kind of outbreaks so it's like to me yeah it's like we 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 all know that we need to be growing food but it but even as someone that is practicing natural farming can recognize that farming takes a lot of work i mean it doesn't have to you can always work smarter more efficiently like you said and allow the microorganisms to do a lot of work but you know if you have a big cane grass field that's tip more bacterial dominant like you know you, you need to put in labor and energy and effort to to clear it and then shape it and transform it and then replant it with natives and and diverse polycultures and things like that and then yeah and then maintain it otherwise it's just gonna grow back to the way it was so I don't know. I, I see so many people and like even I guess it's a projection of, of myself saying that, you know, it's really important for them to, you know, eat local, grow their own food, but then they're kind of relying on or just falling into the same cycles and patterns of, of these systems that are temporarily in place that, you know, provide momentarily momentarily relief for our, our food situation. And it's like you know, real security is a indigenous microorganism library with hundreds, thousands of collections, you know, thousands of different, hundreds of different seed genetics saved heirloom varieties. And then, you know, super diverse food that's growing, that's nutrient rich and, and dense and really healthy. So I, I don't know. It's like, what, what is it like less than two, one to 2% of the population is a farmer and the, the median age is like, 53 so 56 56 so i don't i don't know it's like it takes a lot of work to kind of farm in it and it and it i think you really need to be grounded too you know i i catch myself kind of being kind of airy and kind of wanting to go with the flow and stuff but it's like in order to reap what you sow you kind of have to you benefit from being in the same place for an extended period of time if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, you covered a lot of stuff there, but to kind of go back to the the 
Puna guys and their their food sovereignty. I I think I think what I, what I was getting at with my observations this week is it's it's like it, I I belong to a group on Facebook and it's like this uh, off grid group. And but these people are talking about oh how do I get my propane stove and my wireless internet and all this stuff and they're all like I'm off grid like me ooh look at me I'm off grid but their footprint is completely on the grid like mm. all the batteries they bought were on the grid so they could live off grid with their little like two percent thing and, I, and i'm and i'm not trying to like pick on anyone here i'm i'm i think we all fall into these levels of hypocrisy and that's what i was trying to get at with the the revival of indigenous culture on this macro level is that once we reinitiate ourselves into the secret society of the microorganisms and the secret society of nature now we come back into these true like off-grid scenarios where it's not like oh well, I got all my fertilizer from the mainland or from from America and then I'm going to grow food in Hawaii here that that's like the old paradigm that we're we're stuck in right now and mm-hmm. what this new in, indigenous culture rising is that we're here in Hawaii we're going to make our own fertilizer we're going to connect with our our native indigenous wisdom of how the water cycles work here and then we're gonna make our life sustainable here and it's truly kind of getting off grid again but not in like this sense of like oh i'm sovereign but then i still eat from safeway or some other you know chain retail that's grown some other place and has its own set of footprints that enables me to have my priority footprint and and that's what i'm saying is is what what to me was the big thing and 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 i think what you're talking about too with the getting more food sovereignty but to me that's that's what i want i want to kind of get into here is that i think what it is and what we're looking for is a true initiation back into this secret society the micro one and then as that blooms into the macro one because it's the same function we see in the imo that we want to see in our macro community. Mm-hmm. But then finding a balance between recognizing that in the present moment we are in the technology age and then finding a balance between the indigenous cultures and the way that the people were living in harmony with the land. But then, yeah, do you just throw throw out technology? Do you throw out these tools? Do you throw out these these things that we perceive we need or can you utilize them as tools can you can you utilize them for righteousness even realizing that you know it it's creating maybe a footprint or well i think i think that's that's actually the the challenge of our generation and should we just throw out these things like like if we manufactured a bunch of iPhone nines, should we just throw them out and not use them because they're not the right direction? And I think that's what actually this TMT is about. Is not a, we don't necessarily want to throw out the next iPhone, but we want to critically evaluate the path we're on. What's the trajectory? Are we gonna just are, are we in a, as a society, as a culture, as a secret society of people working together? Are we expecting iPhone 10 and expecting that to save the world or, you know, the next the next gadget to save us? Or are we going to, like, put in a 
trajectory change that says we're going to initiate ourselves into this secret society. We're going to find integrity within ourselves to live within our natural ecosystems, our natural surroundings. And we're going to dig in and we're going to bite the bullet because the generation that makes that decision is the hardest one. It's like the generation that decides to get off using crack. We've been using crack for like 200 years, 300 years, and we're going to be like, okay, we see it's damaging the family, we see it's damaging our cells, we see it's damaging our job, our whole ecosystem, and we're the generation that decides to get off the crack and to come back to the secret society, which is the Pono right way of living, mm-hmm. integrity with ourselves and our ecosystem. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that any sort of like relationship that you have right it starts with your relationship with the creative or the creator or ever however you want to perceive perceive it or call it um so if you're in you're in touch and in harmony with in an inner sense with the with the higher power then all subsequent relationships are going to kind of fall fall into order or fall into that same flow or stream and it's just like yeah it it's just interesting because we live in a world where there are bills, there's mortgages, there's taxes, there's these things that everyone who's, for the most part, participating in, in this world is, is, you know, feeling that obligation, that duty, that responsibility. But then, you know, they want to... And then at the same time, they want to stand up for indigenous wisdom and indigenous rights. Like, isn't doesn't indigenous rights and indigenous wisdom truly mean that like no one can own the land, no one can it, you're the, you're just like a steward of the land, and the the land actually provides for you by it's like a symbiotic relationship. And I, I don't know. I I just perceive it being like a huge change in lifestyle. Like you said, like the we've been on crack for too long, 200, 300 years. And the generation that makes that shift and that change is going to be the hardest one. And then the following generations afterwards won't necessarily experience that trauma and they'll be born into a more natural world. But it's like, it's like the world that children are being born into every day, you know, it's natural, but there's a lot of maybe not so natural things about it. If it's in a city or, you know, things like that. So, it's just it's just super interesting like i definitely my heart is with all the people that are standing on the mana and on the on the mountain and and being in prayer and ceremony and intention but i i feel like what they're asking for ultimately is a huge shift for everybody and is everyone really ready for that shift is everyone really prepared to to not be able to go to the the store like is that what it's going to need to take for it for it to come back into harmony and balance or is there like a middle way that maybe i'm not perceiving what you what you get at is is a huge issue and a huge thing and i believe that's why our generation is the most challenged because we actually have to live in both worlds and that's something i've been working in myself trying to help myself prepare for because it's like i grew up in the iphone age i mean i you know they that was developed during as i was growing up mm-hmm. and i actually studied computer science because i wanted to know the most high-tech technology stuff we can find 
And so I'm not like a Luddite saying we should go back and I want to find what appropriate technology is. And that's a huge subject. You can get into like Wendell Berry and the whole agronomism, um, you know, back to the land type of idea. And, and in, on the mountain, they are asking, what trajectory are we on? And they are asking, you know, are we still wanting to go to the store? And that's a huge thing for people to even grok because yep. some people haven't even understood the concept yet. Yeah, and it's like, no, I'm not trying to pass judgment, just an observation. And it's like a lot of the food that is being donated to these people or the people that are, you know, standing with the mountain. It's like, you know, I see the the rice noodles or the ramen or the the canned goods and it's like it's like the nourishment that's feeding that movement. Where are those microbes coming from? So is it is it the and who's controlling that? Is it the is it the powers that be that that are chemically making these foods and then they're you know, people are eating them and then and then it, it kind of has effect on their mind, their thoughts, and their well-being. And it's like, or is like, does the movement need people from all over the, the island bringing in local food and, and saying that, hey, we can, we can feed these people indefinitely because we can feed our local communities. We can feed our families indefinitely. So if, if there's people that are going to stand, it, it doesn't matter. We, we don't need to worry about going to the store to restock you guys up on food because because we have your, you covered as a community. And I think that's something kind of interesting to, to kind of think about is. Well, now you're getting to the deeper part of the issue. You're getting to the real meat of it, you know, like, cause you're getting into like, are you biting the hand that feeds, you know? And if we're in the, the, the society that is of this chains and things coming to you and a non-understanding of nature and just this man's law and like corporate rule then you're standing you know you have to straddle that reality because that's the man's concept that's lawfully pressed upon you but then you also have to get into the secret society and understanding these things where it's like, okay, what are we going to eat if we're protesting on the, on the mountain? Are we going to eat ramen? Or are we going to eat pa'iai, kalo, you know, food produced on this land and processed on this land and given to our people? And this is where you're getting into the larger part of now, like almost like a sovereignty movement. And what ha what's happening up on the Mauna is huge and also so many factions coming in. There's lawful Hawaiian government. There's people with everyone has their own reason for standing there. That's the reason they don't have a leader. It's everybody just up there on their own. And, and that's a real microbial thing to do. But everyone has their own agenda. And what you're getting at here, I think, is the deeper underlying root of are, if, if, if I'm relying on you for my food, who gets to make the rules? And that's, that's, and this is, you know, like getting, like, if I'm initiated into the secret society and I know about nature and I know about growing my food and I know about culturing fertility and all these, what disease is and what health is and how microorganisms interact. Now I'm free and sovereign to start creating my own medicine on these levels, creating my own food. And this is the deeper part of like truly achieving sovereignty. 
But the the double-edged sword to this, because I went down this road of being like, well, I got to do it all and I got to do it all my own, is it's incredibly isolating and it's incredibly difficult. Today, in, in the modern era where we rely on fossil fuel and the fact that someone else mined that for me, and I don't have to go to an oil field today to make my oil to drive my car, and I don't have to worry about manufacturing the plastic on the machine, all these different things that, I, that are beyond me, there's a lot of benefit to trade. And if we just say, oh, well, we're going to go and only stuff from Hawaii can exist in Hawaii because that's what's right, that's not what I'm saying either. This is why I mentioned the word appropriate technology, because there's an appropriate level of technology. And of, but, I, but I believe that the appropriateness that we've gotten away from is the appropriateness of the ecology of it, is how does our present technology fit into the secret society, the real masters, the secret chiefs of this land the, the the secrets is how are we affecting it with our technology and this is a spot where i think we've gotten away from it and and in but but david even furthermore than this i'm actually i like the fact that i drive my car and natural farming gave me a hope in a way that i realized i can drive my car as long as i'm spraying microbes out of it mm-hmm. yeah so you can kind of counteract your carbon footprint if you will my microbial damage point. Yeah, it's my- not about carbon. I don't. It's carbon is here, here nor there. It's it's a, <laughs> what am I doing to the secret society? So, it's so my secret society karma ratio. Your secret society. Yeah, it's like if you ever played Fallout or something, or a game where it's like an RPG. It's like you you get the opportunity to like do good deeds or like the option to like steal something. It's like you know if you do a good deed, you get like plus five karma or like good karma, and then if you do something negative, you you know it's the opposite so but but this is what we need to do is is to take tally back here and to really get back in tune with our because today why we demonize certain technology because it damages the ecosystem really right why why do you not want technology to advance in my in in I can answer that question by saying, well, I don't want technology to advance because then we're going to get better at ripping more fish out of the ocean. We're going to get better at leveling more land and putting more people on places. And that's a reason I would say, oh, we'll stop the technology. But it's it's if that technology respected the ecosystem. Like I build some radar that can find more fish, but then I also am increasing the microbiome so that it's stable, so that the the plankton and all that's going to make more fish. And I'm going out and I'm like thinking that way from a microbiome, from a secret society, from a, that standpoint. What what do I have against this computer? I love this. I love this microphone, these things, this mm-hmm. beautiful technology. Is, is that starting to make more sense of where I'm coming with this? Yeah, like your intention and then being, not just your intention, but being very thoughtful of and having foresight of what your, the consequences, consequences of your actions are and how they're affecting, you know, not just where you're at, but from the top of the mountain all the way to the ocean and everything in, in between. And, and it's like, yeah, not looking as... I don't. I don't think looking at anything as like a an absolute is is healthy. You know, technology is evil. Technology is awesome. Like both are tr- can be both true. Both are true. Yeah, both are true. But it's like how how can we utilize these tools for for righteousness and for promoting 
the Secret Society and for promoting health and wellness in, in diverse cultures. But but what what I what I'm saying here too is that this actually gives us a measurable way. Did we increase the amount of the secret society and the good members in our secret society, or did we decrease it? Like when the next iPhone comes out, does it help the secret society, the microbiome, or does it hurt it? Because if you're launching a new iPhone and it's helping people take better care of the earth, I'm all for that, bro. Get that next thing out, get it shipped, get it in everyone's hands so, so, today. So, so that that makes me kind of think of like, you know, that that's kind of putting a lot of, I don't know, pressure or whatever. I don't know what the right word is to describe it, but a lot of, you know, a lot of energy into the, the creator of it. So the creator of the, the iPhone, but it's like, couldn't, couldn't two people be given the same tool, whether it's an iPhone or something else. And one person perceive it as a way to help the, the secret society. And then, not saying that the other person isn't trying to help the secret society, but maybe they don't have the the knowledge or the understanding or the awareness of how to use that as a tool for righteousness. Or it's like, couldn't every single tool be used to promote the secret society with the right um, imagination and creativity and effort? Right, right. And then, then that's, that's where you got to get down to like balancing it. Like just, just like me forging a machete is a lot different than me like deep mining for molybdenum to put make magnets to put in this thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, that's, and that's where you can like actually quantify out these larger projects and our larger human endeavors and see what trajectory we are on. But then, yeah, then that goes to scale, right? So you have you have all these different beings at different levels and understandings and paths and journeys of consciousness, and they're all thinking on different scales. They're all operating on different scales. And we kind of talked a little bit about last week about the 10x rule and how I was wanting to, you know, apply that more and more to my life. And then it's like when you do start acting upon and putting whatever your goal is, putting 10 times the amount, times in that goal by 10. So if your goal is to to make $1,000, make it $10,000. And then coming up with a list or a plan to, to achieve that goal, but putting 10 times the amount of effort and energy into it than you initially thought or initially planned for. But then when you start operating on that level, then everything, all your interactions are, are kind of happening at a, lar a much larger scale and then i don't know then that that creates more af like influence and, and and perceived power and control and then it's like it's like it's like there's there's people that are probably operating on an international level in a business sense that are that are having an effect on so many different coastlines or mountains or rivers or things and and maybe maybe the ceo or the president doesn't have that awareness because they're just really in like you know narrow focus or just really focus on their goal of, of achievement and they're just kind of trying to get from here to there right 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 and that and that's what i that's what i'm talking about is that consciousness that if i'm just producing iphone 10 for for whatever reason then then it's it's about that consciousness okay. of like am i aiming for this like what are we aiming so, for so, as a human so, race so a great example that i think can kind of relate is the mariama sprayer yeah. Okay. Yeah. You go to a 
a feeds a, a fertilizer store, grow store, or whatever, they're selling it with like the intention to spray chemicals. That's kind of how it's designed. If you if you read the packaging, the labels, the things like that, you know, there's like a chemical or a insecticide, a pesticide, like l- like level to it or so, like a switch. Right, right. So it's like someone in the secret society looks at that tool and they're like, oh my God, I can utilize this for, for remediating the soil. And then now I can, instead of, you know, gathering five gallon buckets or whatever it is and pouring the water, I, I don't have to carry the water and it makes time more efficient and I'm able to spray more microbes and heal the soil and it, it's speeding up this process. So that has nothing to do with the intention of Mariama. That has everything to do with the person, the perceiver of that tool. Right. In, in a way. So it's like, it's like, I, yeah, just going back to like, I don't think we need to like look to Apple to, to be the ones that are looking for food sovereignty and food security and sustainability. I mean, that would be great. But in the commercial world, they want us to keep buying these things. They want us to keep us moving. They want us to, you know, be more dependent on, on other things and not necessarily do it for ourselves. So Right, right, right. And I hear that. And that's what I'm saying is, is I think that is like from when my personal take on it is that's what the TMT movement is about. Like the the corporation wants to put this, this telescope up on the Mauna for, you know, these reasons because they want us to keep doing things. Perhaps Gordon and Betty Moore want us to continue buying microchips to process all the data that we get. I don't know what the, you know, where you follow the money to. Maybe they're just altruistic. I'm not sure. But the the point is like that's that's what our generation gets to do and that's our reward and that's mm. our challenge is we get to repurpose these things like my truck was designed to just drive around and joyride the you know the Ford Motor Company that made my truck here the, their intention for it was was nothing what I intend on or what my generation or or these the people that have this conscientious th- thinking are thinking of it. They're looking at that as, wow, we can use this as an earth vehicle to, to move our supplies and people around to where we need it so we can do a better job healing the earth. And that's, that is what our generation gets to do is repurpose these things that were made for whatever I'm not sure what our mm-hmm. what our what the previous generation was thinking when they made Apple computer or when they made iPad or when they made you know all these things they made they had a whole different conception of what the world was what it is what, you know how what what and and as as an ecological person as a member of the secret society because they weren't initiated right they were just making this material just just cuz they were going to do what they were going to do but now that i have this knowledge now that i know what to do with it this is what our generation gets to do we get to be the people that repurpose these tools and so i'm not saying the kuliana lies at apple to make a device to clean the world because I, I don't think that is where the Kuliana is, but that is what you and I get to do as like indigo hippie star <laughs> children of the next generation in the Aquarian beautiful bed, you know, uh, I don't know, I was going to put another B in there. But what we are is the repurposers and the restorers of this. And what I'm saying, so that's 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 really what I'm, I'm, I'm getting at. Is that... Is that because I, th- I think we're on the same page. Yeah, this. yeah, we're definitely on the same page. It's yeah, and it it was a good thought provoking question, and kind of I feel like we dived pretty like deeper into it and kind of 
hit some different points that are different perspectives that maybe people who are tuning in can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for, for me, it's a balance of what I know and what I can do. Right. Cause I, I look at it and it's like, I, I look at the earth's problems and I'm like, man, I can fix those like tomorrow with, you know, a little bit of microbes here, some, some plant stimulants, biostimulants there, and we're healed. You know, I look, I look at what they're doing up on Mauna Kea where they have um, porta potties and they're pooping in these things and mixing with this blue chemical and then creating a waste product. And, 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 and so I'm saying like these exact people that are talking about in restoration of the land, we still have a ways to go. And, and what I'm saying is this is just a flowering, a waking up. And that's what I wanted to talk about for me is where I see these macro microcosms merging of how how and what can we do and 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 this is where we got to get real with ourselves and we say okay where did our food come from if we're up here where is our shit going and what is you know what is the quality of our water that we're drinking and and those are just three things that are that are like you know the the starting point. And once you understand the secret society, you can understand. Okay, our food we want to grow it with the best microorganisms. How can we do that? And now this is a new perspective to start thinking of your whole life from the perspective of the secret society. Our our shit. Where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna poop? And you start thinking of the secret society. You think, oh, this is actually a resource. If I get the right microbes, they'll ferment my my poop into actually some of the best plant growth or animal stimulants or earth rehealing stuff. And then when you think of your water, you think, oh, how did I clean it? What is the energetic value of it? What's Is there living life in there? What is it doing to my inner secret society when I ingest this water in these ways? And those, those are just starting points. And that's what I'm saying is like this movement rising up as a point of conscientiousness that I feel like, oh, I could go up there and tell all these people, oh, microbes, join the secret society, all this, like I'll fix all your problems. <laughs> but in actuality, what you get today for joining the secret society is just the second hour. <laughs> because really it's up to you to listen to the second hour to get all this knowledge going in your head and get yourself initiated so that you can start to understand how to approach these questions right because when you think of the secret society and that's what i'm saying is like, like that's why i was excited this week because we have a chance as hawaiians as as to change this whole world because the whole world is watching mana kill and if they're going up there and they're shitting in a way where, oh, no smell, no clean, it's actually a resource. Where their food that is powering this movement is all grown on this island. It's not flown here. It's not grown by people in some other place where they, they were lived, they worked um, not good conditions. It's grown by people who enjoyed growing it here. And our, and our water is coming up in recyclable containers from springs because we have such a good watershed because we've restored the secret society to our mountains and the water is flowing down clean and clear and we can drink it. Now we got a movement, right? But if I go and I say that stuff, I look like a real dick. Like, oh, Drake, <laughs> da, da, da. Oh, if we could only this and that. 
oh, da, da, da. I'm I'm white and privileged, right? I'm this person that comes in, but but that's what I'm trying to do with my white privilege is really trying to understand this to spread consciousness, to humble my ass, not to just go up there and be like this and that because I can't do it alone. I need to. What I want to see is the is more of us get initiated into the secret society that these thoughts naturally flow to each and every one of us. Not through some leadership guidance like I'm telling you this and that, but you get so deep into these things that th those ideas are manifest throughout the universe is what I'm trying to say. I'm not special to have these ideas. I'm just quoting myself in indigenous culture and bringing the secret society so near to me that those secrets are whispered into my ear. So, you know, I've been ranting here for a bit and talking, but but this this is really what I what I, what excited me this week and, and trying to, to share this 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 deeper bit of as a world right now, this day, we have a chance to shift the, the trajectory. And if you start to think, OK, I'm going to produce this product and you're thinking, what is my effect on the secret society? Because right now we're producing a product. What is our effect on the secret society? What is the effect on the what product specifically? Are you well? We're to? selling a podcast here. We got the second hour coming up. <laughs> it's, it's almost there. People are excited for it. They want to hear more. We're producing a product. Yeah. What impact is this having on the secret society? What impact? Um, maybe it's an opportunity to or an opportunity for people to tune in to maybe more personal aspects of our lives and deeper understandings of the occult nature of the microbes. And then they're able to, you know, take these tidbits of gold or information and start applying them in, in, into their life. And like, yeah, yesterday at, at the, I taught a workshop in La Pohoihoi and I demonstrated the fish amino acid. And then everyone was like, they're like, oh, I'm going tomorrow to go to Suisan and pick up a bucket. Like, because cause I watched you do it and it only took like 10 minutes and, and I can do it and I'm not going to buy a fertilizer anymore. That doesn't make any sense. So it's like, yeah, I guess it's a beautiful thing to look at. Yeah, e each of our interactions and how is it having an effect on the secret society? Are more, are more members being initiated? Are, are more people taking action? Because I think that's really what natural farming is is about is about um empowerment empowerment of ourselves and you know there's there's pressure there's heavy pressures sometimes when that is when that comes up because it's like oh i gotta do all this stuff by myself you know we we have a we have friends we have community we have family we can it, it's good to ask for help and, and support when when others are in a position to give it and the time is ripe for that um and being able to recognize when it's not and when it is and um yeah i, I guess ultimately just kind of finding a balance but yeah getting to initiate more and more people i guess that that is one of the outcomes or the byproducts of of this podcast yeah yeah but but and what i'm saying is in your life when you're going about it you're tr you're also thinking about the microbiome right it's one of it's one of your thought processes right I don't know i mean it definitely is but i think at this point it's almost like a subconscious thing where it's just a byproduct of being in alignment with with the earth not saying that i don't make mistakes or that i can't improve or do something better or you know yeah it, 
it's not like that at all. But I, I really do feel like when you surrender to the will or the consciousness of the indigenous cultures that are living below, it's really easy to kind of tune in and turn on your, your antenna and be receptive of, of what they're, they're offering. And then, and then everything kind of just seems to flow. That doesn't mean that you won't overcome adversity and obstacles and there won't be perceived conflict, but you know, any type of conflict is inner conflict ultimately. But <laughs> someone's uh, been reading the teaching. Oh, every I try to read it every day. You know, and it, I guess it's just like the more you read it, the more it just gets embedded in your genetic code. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think I think that's interesting. You're saying it's more of a subconscious thing, and that's that's kind of what I'm promulgating here: is that the more you coat yourself in it, the more you can't help but be an ally to the microbes. But just just so you know, like literally every day I wake up and I think of my impact on the microbiome. Some days it's actually like so debilitating when I think of it that I'm like, I, I feel like not even doing the things that I want to do. Because I think, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, I need to grab something from town or do something. But then I start to think of the micro, the secret society impact. And my is it my, my karma going up or down? And I think of how down it's going by doing what I'm doing by this action. But then that weighs on me in a way where then I get myself, I feel like, man, how am I ever going to be a contributor to the secret society? And then I come to a point where I, I take mercy on myself and I realize, well, shoot, man, I'm on a trajectory headed this direction, but I didn't choose that way to go. I'm the one that gets the momentum to come back this way. And so I bite the bullet and like go fuel up my gas tank or do whatever that I know is a complete contradiction to my entire mission and soul of what I'm doing. And then I try to justify it to myself by saying, well, if I burn a couple gallons of gas today, think of how many more microbes I can spread. Think of how many more people I can reach to bring them into it as initiates into this secret society. And literally... David, almost every single morning I wake up living, breathing, thinking about the microbiome, thinking about the secret society. So for me, it's it's not only a subconscious thing that I think I'm getting naturally more tuned in and my instrument's working better, but it's actually a conscious thing that I'm going about every day to like truly build this thing up so that it's not a secret society anymore because by nature it's hidden and by man's help, it can be revealed or unveiled. And it can be unveiled to almost everyone. But the key is to buy the second hour because <laughs> we go way more deep into this stuff. Yeah, way deeper, way deeper. Tune into the second hour for um, more esoteric secrets uh, to be revealed. But yeah, it's, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's, it's, it's good that that's a part of your daily practice to really kind of tune in to you know these are my intentions for the day how is it having an effect on the world at large and the the ecology and the macro and the microbiome and then but then also you know not being too hard on yourself when you're like oh man this one thing that i want to do it's like it's like negative 20 microbe karma points but <laughs> but if i get that one thing then i can i can do this other thing that's like plus 150 karma micro points so <laughs> well this that that's actually the truth that got me out got me to where i am today because i was in that space but then i realized it's okay to lose a battle 
to win the war. And so using that analogy, that kind of mindset of realizing like, and this is, this is one of the weird things is it's, it's actually going to take a fair amount of ecological destruction to bring ecological restoration upon the earth. And that's, that's one of the things that like, like for instance, if you go and you terrace your land and you all of a sudden make swales. So instead of the rain coming down and just washing all the nutrients off your land, they actually sit in swales and sink into the ground. To run the machine to do the swales, you damage a lot. You, you kill all kinds of the secret society. You, and, but once those swales are installed, it's, it's better. And so, so this, is, this is a thing that I grapple with, is, is that concept right there, that itself you know and you what what do they say like you got to crack an egg to bake a cake or <laughs> or a few eggs yeah 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 <laughs> that's that's only cuz they did, for some reason they decided not to put it in the premix <laughs> i think that was that was a psychological move to make ladies in the past feel like they were still efficient when they got pancake mix in the mail and instead of just putting it in the bowl and just adding, adding water, water, they're adding water or milk and an egg. Yeah, and that they had to add those things so that they would feel like useful. So, so this, so what? And I, I'm glad I kind of cracked that not open because I want to get into the psychological bits of this stuff, and I think that's a good topic to broach. If you're if you're up for it, yeah, definitely going deeper into the psychological aspects of yeah, our decisions and our actions. Well, so, so the, f- the first way I wanted to kind of broach this was going into vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So, so do you know about spelling? Spelling, like to cast spells? Yeah, exactly. Like magic? Yeah. And so if you start to look at our language and even the way spelling itself is spelled, it's based on very magical conjurations. So you follow you follow those threads of information. I I'm understanding what you're putting down right now. Yeah, so 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 within our language, one thing that can help to see things perhaps is to speak a bit slower and to start pulling words apart. And to find out the etymology and the roots of words. Mm-hmm. And or to think of homonyms and synonyms and all those things. And let your mind just wander to all possibilities and to keep all possibilities in mind. Until at the very end, you kind of... That way you can have puns in there and funny things embedded in. Um, but what I... What I wanted to talk about with this, you know, I think one of the first vocabulary terms is give is the secret society. Microbes? Yeah. So, well, th- so there's these things called microbes. There's the microbiome. In soil science, they call them non-water soluble soil aggregates. And there's this whole community. That's their word for microbes? For the IMOs, the things that, that non, really run the world. Non-water-soluble soil aggregates. Yeah. They basically write off the most important part of the soil <laughs> by just calling it non-water-soluble soil aggregates because they don't solubilize in water because they're glued together. And they just say, well, yeah, these are there and uh, we'll ignore those. 
But what what I'm getting at with vocabulary here is that I think that if we start like this meme that we've generated here, this idea to attach secret society laws and rules and organizations and these things we recognize in macro society and attaching this to this microbiome that we've created a meme and we've created something people can attach to. So what I wanted to get into here is first to talk about something is you have to define it. And you have to kind of make up a name. But you want to make up a name that is the most assimilable to it or whatever. Like like to go to go and to make up something like Google and then to make that like the biggest company in the world, I think Amazon actually is, but is a challenge. But what I want to talk to you, like just to start off this this mind control idea is that if I have something that I want to sit on and it has legs and a back, if every time I sat down and I said, hey, give me the thing with the legs and the soft cushion and the back that I can sit on, that's how many words I had to say versus what I can say to you is, hey, get me a chair. As soon as I have a chair in the word, that atomic unit of a chair, all kinds of ideas popped into your head of what a chair could mean, right? Mm -hmm. And what you and I commonly share as a chair between us could be radically different. So the picture that pops into your head when I say chair could be something radically different from the thing that I say when I talk about a chair, right? I could be thinking of a lazy boy and you could be thinking of a, a throne, Let's just say. Mm -hmm. But what that gave me was a thing where I could say chair that had these common characteristics between it. And it saved me a lot of breath that I didn't have to say, hey, give me that thing with the legs on it that I can sit on that has a back that's kind of soft and all that. Right? I just said chair. And chair encapsulated all those ideas. But chair also has its limits that I could cut down a tree in the forest and then say it's a chair, right? Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a stretch, right? And I could have a lot of these different things that, that represent what a chair is. But what I want to get at is that's why the, the, this concept of giving something an atomic unit, a reference point, that I can call it a chair, and now you and I can refer to it, we can have conversation, we can talk about it, we can now discuss it and say, oh, well, I'm making a chair this Saturday, and you have an idea of what I'm doing. And then I can say to you, well, I'm sitting in a chair, and you have an idea of what's going on. It gives us this vocabulary, it gives us a way to interact, and it gives us a way to interact in this way that we've created this atomic unit. And so that's what I wanted to do here with the secret society is take this concept of what we've been calling all these weird things, this microbiome, the human gut, the soil food web, all these things, and I'm going to compress them all into the secret society, the microbial secret society, I guess, which is kind of weird that I have to um, put the microbial part there. But this is this is what I want to talk to you about, 
And I wanted to bring this in because it's, it's good not only for one, a establishing things. It's also good that if you understand language and vocabulary, it's good for the second part, which is disassembling things. Mm. So being able to understand the root, the root meanings of the words. Well, a name is power. And what I mean by that is if I have something and I say to you, chair, that's power. You know how to mind idea. You know how to meme pop. Hey, so that wraps it up for our free episode. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to catch the full episode, go to microbialsecret.org and join the Microbial Secret Society. Thanks and uh, see you soon. Aloha.